reason we have gone from the being attitudes to the sermon on uh, to the Lord's Prayer and the Sermon on the Mount is we really want to uh, kick off the year with the focus on prayer. So I hope you're taking the series as something for to use in your own personal worship and at our Zoom prayer meetings. And I hope, especially with the Lord's Prayer, that you do pray that on a regular basis and be deliberate about what you are praying. Now, these are really, they are literally life-changing petitions, especially the first three. And in fact, you're going to find out a little bit later uh, the role of these first three petitions in the early church was, and it still is actually, a subversive one. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. Okay, so in the Lord's Prayer, and we're calling these priority prayers. Why? Well, because uh, there's their prayers, they're beginning, obviously, the first three of the Lord's Prayer. But just as you get a hold of what they mean, you see why they are the most significant things that we pray. And, there, and there's a natural progression in the first three. You go from the massive meaning of the name of God, God's name, his fingerprints are on everything. And it's, it's a reminder to pray that people be aware of the true and the living God. And then, naturally, the next thing is the kingdom of God that comes. And that, again, was a very subversive concept, as you'll find out. That the, the Christ's reign displaces uh, the, the reign of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and then the next one follows naturally from it is, well, if the kingdom of God comes, then you want to do the will of God. And it adds in here, interestingly, and I think very often missed by commentators, doing it as the angels do in heaven. Uh, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And obviously you think of the angels doing it. There's much more to it than that. Now this brings up the question, what will is in view? Your will be done. And it's not, folks, the will of decree. Uh, God has a, a, a will. He will do all of his holy will. And, and you don't need to pray for that because he's going to do it anyway. And in the Haven Heart to Heart this week, our, our brother Arthur reflects a bit on uh, Augustine's comments on, on God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. But it's not the will of decree, but it's the will of precept. God's, we had, used to have a man in, in Franklin Square, and he had a, 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 it was a little sign, and it said, God's word is God's will. And that's great. That's exactly what it is. That's why we had the reading from the book of Deuteronomy, that God's people are given the will of God by the word of God. And, and the scriptures themselves speak this way, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you be made holy. And Jesus, I, Jesus says, I, I've, I've come to do your will, O God. And so it's not curious, it's, it's rather natural uh, that all Jesus did in his ministry was bound by the word of God when he's tempted by the devil. 
is responses from the Word of God. When he does things, it's to fulfill things in the Word of God. And that's why if you really want a beautiful, beautifully developed view of the Word of God, just read the Gospels and note how Jesus treated the Word. Okay, so we're dealing with the revealed will of God, and today we're in priority prayer number three. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And number one, we're going to look at what it is, because we really, you, you want to get beyond generalities here. Okay, so what is this to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And then number two, what it looks like, and we have more from the annals of the, of the kingdom of God that you'll be hearing about this week. And then number three, why, why are these three priority prayers. And brothers and sisters, whole Sermon on the Mount is Christian counterculture. And it is countercultural no matter what spectrum of the political world you're on. It's always countercultural. And it is, as Al Mohler puts it in his book on the Lord's Prayer, these prayers, especially the first three, they are prayers that turn the world upside down. They'll do it by beginning to turn you upside down. Okay, so here we go. Number one, what, what are you praying for? Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to answer that in two parts, okay? Um, regarding the first part, let your will be done on the earth. It is a miracle second only to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why you stop and think about what you are praying. It is a miracle, second only to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, well, how can that be? I mean, it's pretty innocuous. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. You think it's innocuous? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. What, what, what are we praying? I don't want to say praying against, but what are we praying in front of? A world in which every imagination, every plan, every devising of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil continually. Wow, it's countercultural to pray, let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And you come to the account of the flood and what happens afterwards, and God repeats that. Well, the flood didn't change people's hearts. The flood was a statement of the judgment that would come on the world and will come on the world, but it doesn't change hearts. But you're praying against that situation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. You, has he made alive, and that's by the resurrection power of Christ, who were sick in your trespasses and sins. Now, that's the way a lot of people interpret it. You, has he quickened who had a terminal illness? No, it's not even that. You, has he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins? Now, when people start talking about free will, ask them, say, um, how often have you gone to a funeral home and spoken and the bodies come up? Well, that's what Paul says. You, as he quickened, who made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's the kingdom, okay? That's the kingdom of God coming to make people alive. But then he goes on and he says in Ephesians chapter 2, what was it that you were dead in trespasses and sins? 
you followed, he said, you had your, your led along with a finger in your nose, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, living in the passions of the flesh and of the mind. And if that's not enough, he says, you were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. It's no easy thing that God's will is done at all. When that's what you are praying against, that's what you're praying to be overcome, that level of opposition. In Romans 3, in verses 10 through 18, if you want an MRI of the human condition, when Paul says that we're all under sin, Jews and Greeks, he says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they've not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now do you see why you pray the way you do? This is what people are by nature, brothers and sisters. There was a very fiery Irish preacher from a previous generation, and he was fiery. And um, he, he preached on this text. And a lady came to him afterwards and was highly offended. He said, you know what I'm talking about? She was a devil in a skirt. <laughs> and she, she lit into this preacher about how mean and severe he was in dealing with our condition. And the Irish preacher looked at her, and I know for a fact, because I knew him, he was a teetotaler, he didn't drink. But he said, lady, the Bible says your soul is so crooked, it looks like a corkscrew. <laughs> and that's, that's the idea that's here. I mean, and this is, so this is what you are, again, praying against, praying for, when you pray that the Lord's will be done on earth, it is in heaven. Paul says the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the unsaved mind is enmity with God. It doesn't sub does not submit to the law of God, neither is it able to do so. If Jesus is, and he is, incarnate God, you and I by nature are incarnate anti-God. And as you pray for God's work in the world, that people be aware of his name, that his kingdom come and supplant our own personal kingdoms, and then you pray for his will to be done, you're praying that all of these, all of these massive obstacles of sin be broken down. And don't ever, ever let yourself forget this. That's what you're saved from, brothers and sisters. Now, um, think of what then grace does. If it's a miracle second only to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and this is what we're praying against, think of what grace does. As the Lord's kingdom comes and replaces our own personal kingdoms, 
And um, it's a miracle second only to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is it to change people so that they do the will of God uh, on earth as it is in heaven? Well, number one, it is giving them an, an understanding that the Lord give them an understanding and acceptance of the things of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave the word of God. Holy men spoke as they were born along by the Holy Spirit. And so when you pray this, you're praying that people understand and accept the things of the Spirit. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2, that the natural person, the unsaved person, he can't accept, he can't do the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. These things are spiritually grasped. They're spiritually discerned. And so you're certainly praying for that. You are praying further that people will be able and willing to do God's will. That's what the new birth starts. People who are able and willing to do God's will. It's the one who says, my eyes have been opened and I behold wonderful things out of your law and out of the gospel. Now, when the Lord converts you, you it's not too long before with your sensitivity to God and his rights over you and you want to do his will, you say in so many words, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock, my strength, and my redeemer. You pray that way. You, you are given, Paul says, the mind of Christ. You're praying that people have the mind of Christ. And that includes, if you will, his will and his heart. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Paul says, I pray that you might be sanctified completely, body, soul, and spirit. And you're praying Oh God, make me and make others as holy as it's possible for saved sinners to be. It's a burden that we be sanctified completely and kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Lord, that, we, that you hold us fast, which is why we sang that before, that you hold us fast before. And it is, brothers and sisters, why there's a benediction at the end of a worship service. I've been, as older I get, the more I... I uh, appreciate the, the elements of biblically ordered worship in which at the end you have a, salute, a, a benediction, which is a promise of God's blessing. And one of the common benedictions is, now the God of peace, who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus, right? Greatest miracle, resurrection of Christ, who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you in every good thing to do his will, right? His will is what he's given in his word, working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. And I'm so rebuked when I or if any other minister takes, or if you take a benediction lightly. Well, the benediction is that serious that you go forth not with a prayer, but with a promise that God will work in you so that you do his will on the earth, even as it is done in heaven. 
So it is a miracle, second only, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. People are dead in trespasses and sins. They're made alive in Christ, and they're worked in by the Holy Spirit to do the will of God. But there's this tale in here. That your will might be done on the earth as it is done in heaven. And so I add to that definition with a distinct new covenant flavor. It's a miracle second only to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The people do God's will on the earth as they do it in heaven. But that tale is it's a distinct new covenant flavor. Now, now normally in our, our catechism, they point out rightly that this means we do God's will when the Lord is at work in us as the un fallen angels do it from heaven. And that's a fascinating thought, actually. You have the angels, and they're summoned by God, and they go and they do His will immediately, and they do it fully. And you can imagine that they do it joyfully as well. Uh, they do it sincerely. They do it constantly. And all of that is true. And, and thank the Lord that, that that is part of what He does in us. But I think there's a whole lot more to it than that. Jesus as he comes as the king of the kingdom, is the Jesus who's going to send the Holy Spirit as what? A down payment of heaven. The fruit of the Spirit that we have, love and joy and peace and patience, those are things of glory, folks. It's a down payment of what heaven is. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you, and he sends the Holy Spirit. And there's an old gospel hymn. We don't have it in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Uh, but, but at least at this point, it's very biblical. What's Pentecost about? Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. It was the Holy Spirit from heaven, right, who worked in us. And, and you see these things of earth-shattering power and tongues as of, of flames and so on and so forth. They're all, they're all the things of the power and the purity of heaven. And, and that's what Paul says. Where do you live? Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's heaven, folks. And then he says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And, and, and Paul even uses an interesting term in Philippians chapter 3 when, when he says, and there's different ways you can interpret it, he says, your citizenship is in heaven. Now, your first citizenship is not American. Your first citizenship is not Chinese. Your first citizenship is heaven. But it's the interesting word that he uses. It's only used there in the New Testament. And, of course, commentators love that. If it's the only time it's used in the New Testament, uh, then you check and see how it's used in classical literature, and I'm not sure it's used much there either. But, but, the, but probably the thrust is this, okay? Not only is that the citizenship that you have, that's not only your fatherland, your country, but it's, it's if I could put it this way, the spirit of that country that is yours. It's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And so I think what's in view here is not just doing it as the angels do in heaven, but heaven comes to you. And it's because of that power of heaven at work in you that you're animated to do heavenly things, which means the will of God, okay? And, and, and so it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating the way 
that has developed. I read an article this week. Um, it was called Only, uh, the, the title graded against me, um, although I like the theme, Only Civil Society Can Do what the government promises to do. That was basically the title of the article. And what was interesting is how it was difficult to define civil society. People are good to one another and so on. And I thought to myself, you know, you miss it. In the same way, the gospel does, and only the gospel does, what the United Nations cannot. It's only the grace of God that does what the government cannot. It does make a civil people. It does make a, a heavenly people on earth, okay? So, so that's something of the expansiveness of what's in, in, in view, um, is that we do the will of God on earth as the angels do it in heaven, and that's why, that's why we call this priority prayer. You can tell, right? As you think, as we all do, about the political situation, uh, how do you pray for the political situation? Uh, pray for the Lord's kingdom to come and pray for people to do God's will on the earth as they do it in heaven. And that will influence their politics. No two ways about it. But J.I. Packer, he's caught this so well. Um, the late J.I. Packer, who was a, was a British theologian, he said, Here, more clearly than anywhere else, the purpose of prayer becomes plain. Not to make God do my will, which is practicing magic. And that's what these so-called prosperity preachers are doing, folks. They, they don't have God as their Lord. They want you to be the Lord. And that's why it appeals to people. I mean, Dr. Packer, late Dr. Packer says, it's not to make God do my will, which is practicing magic, but to bring my will into line with his which is what it means to practice true religion. So in a real sense, I think you're praying for saving grace to come in the world and these three things. Okay, so that, that's, that's pretty much the idea of, of your will being done on the earth as it is in heaven. But let's, um, those of you visiting this week, um, last week um, as part of the message, um, we discovered the, the annals, the annals, of the kingdom, uh, a work that was uh, that was inspired by uh, John Bunyan's classic book, not Pilgrim's Progress, but Holy War. And um, so the annals continue this week. Last week we had chapter one. Uh, in, in any town there was a village called Humana, and it was pretty bad because Lucifer had, had taken it over. That was chapter one. Chapter two was how Humana was taken over by Emmanuel, the king, and how he displaced Lucifer and so forth and so on. So that's what we covered last week. Um, well, we've got more of the annals of the kingdom. This is chapter three, okay? The annals of the kingdom being an account of God's, how God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, there's the takeover of, of uh, Humana, in, in, any, in any land, okay, that's where we are, we're in any land, and, and, the, and the town that is taken over is called Humana. Well, the registers of the government of any land have got to change this, it's totally different. And so what was Humana is now designated in the registers of any land, New Humana, okay? 
And, and this, this, people talk about this in the town government of any land, and, and they're, they're curious about this. They say, this, this new Humana, it's not like any other place in any land. Um, it, it's, it's kind of not even this world-like. It, it's not like the other towns in any land. And, and one person said, yeah, it's been called a colony of heaven. And, and so the name has been changed in any land's registers. And, and as you approach New Humana, you see the flag that's flying over the entranceway to New Humana. It is blood red and linen white. And right in the center is the cross. I guess it's the true red cross, but it's both red and white. And you see that flag that's there. And what's interesting is... When you go into the town of New Humana, people comment on the atmosphere. Uh, there's, there is a, a special air filtration system in New Humana, and it's produced by Grace Company. And that air filtration system has a duct that goes from uh, the top of New Humana all the way up into heaven itself, and as you breathe the atmosphere, it is freedom and joy and life and light and truth and love. That, that's, that's the atmosphere of new humana. And officials, they've all been changed uh, from the last time you had, uh, you had the, the governor, Lucifer, you had the uh, lieutenant governor, my will, uh, self-will, rather, uh, and you had all kinds of, of sergeants and all, and they're all, they're all replaced in New Humana, especially the king's son, whose name is Emmanuel, and, and the king's son is now the governor of New Humana, and he has an absolutely remarkable bio. Uh, his bio is that he was born in a very obscure place, brought up, in, born in a very obscure place, and, and brought up in a very obscure place in a, in a land called Israel. And uh, he, had a, he had an amazing, remarkable life, perfectly obedient. Uh, his death was unique. Uh, his death was a death that brought to death, to death. It atoned for sins. And he rose from the dead the third day. Amazing, remarkable account of, of Emmanuel, who means God with us. And so he is now the governor of, of uh, New Humana and the lieutenant governor. Um, Self-will has been replaced by my will, and the lieutenant governor repeats and buttresses every single thing that Emmanuel says. He's a perfect lieutenant governor called my will. And there's a secretary of state. Uh, the secretary of state is a person called the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of the Father and the Son. And it's not pixie dust <laughs> that he does around the town as the Holy Spirit moves around the town. It's heavenly dust of holiness and righteousness. And, and, and the Son, uh, or, or the Spirit of the Father and the Son, that's his work. He goes, he's always walking around New Humana, and he's sprinkling the dust 
of holiness and righteousness, and it's a very good dust indeed. And then the generator that we learned about last week, that was the first thing. That was the first thing that Emmanuel and his armies got, the generator for the city, uh, which, which is really the heart of the city. It generates all of the power for it. And uh, that, that has been taken over, and it is heavily, heavily guarded. The heart, which is the generator of the city, is heavily guarded by four people, okay? Number one is Sergeant Trust. Sergeant Trust guards the heart. Number two is Sergeant No Bitterness guards the generator heart. Number three, Sergeant Contentment, also known as Sergeant Peace, that's his nickname, Sergeant Contentment. He, he's one of the guardians of the generator, known as the heart. And the corporal who guards, his name is Peace, okay? And, and so they know that the heart, that the generator, the heart, which really is the heart of New Humana, has got to be heavily guarded, and it is. Remember Mr. Conscience? Mr. Conscience had been thrown in the, in the iron cage, and, and he made a lot of noise. He, they didn't, the old regime didn't like him. Well, Mr. Conscience has been released, and uh, Mr. Conscience had been pretty badly treated, treated by, Lu, by Lucifer the governor and by the lieutenant governor, uh, self-will. And so Mr. Conscience has been assigned a personal physician to work with him. And that personal physician's name is... Moral law is good. First name, moral law. Last name is good. Doctor, moral law is good. And he's always administering 10 nutrients, very proactive with the health of Mr. Conscience, 10 nutrients. Uh, the first nutrient is a reminder uh, that there is to be no other God before, before the people of, of new humana. Uh, the second is you've got to worship God in the right way and that's not by images. Uh, the third nutrient is the nutrient that, that gives a high respect for the name of God. And the fourth nutrient fortifies a view of both work and a day of rest. Uh, the fifth nutrient is about respect for authority, and Mr. Conscience is being fortified in these. Uh, the sixth nutrient is about respect for human life. Uh, the seventh nutrient is about respect for marriage and sexuality. The eighth pill that's given to him is, is respect for property. Uh, the ninth pill that's given to him is, is respect for truth and being honest. And the ninth pill that's given to fortify Mr. Conscience is about being content with your lot, not being covetous. And Mr. Conscience is fortified by his personal physician, Doctor, moral law is good. And remember, as you think about as you think about uh, New Humana as part of, of any land, there were there were remember there were guardians at the gates, and those old guardians they get rid of those and they're replaced. And it's very interesting; these gates are so important they each have two guardians. Okay, and so ear gate is given the first guardian. The first guardian is named Warning. The first guardian is named Warning. And, and Warning has a way at Eargate of uh, if something comes through it that is not right, you hear this loud 
bell. You hear this loud buzz, and it wakens the whole town. A warning through Eargate warns them through these things. And then the second guardian at Eargate is called discernment. And, and discernment carries scales. Discernment has scales, and everything that comes through Eargate is weighed to find out if it's in accord with the law of Emmanuel or not. And if it's not, it's not admitted into Eargate. Uh, so those are the two guards, security guards for Eargate. Two security guards for Eygate. The first security guard is called Hatelust. And Hatelust has a friend. And the friend of Hatelust, who hasn't yet been promoted to a guardian, but the friend of, of Hatelust is called Shut Your Eyes. Okay? So, so at, at Eygate, you have, you have hate lust and shut your eyes, and, and they do exactly what you think. Uh, they, they, they give the, the town a real hatred of, of sinful lusts, and also at times they, they do need to shut their eyes rather than look at things. But that's only, that's only one of the guardians that there. The other one is called Love Beauty. The other guardian at Eye Gate is Love Beauty, and, and love, love Beauty has a troll. On, on her on her shoulder, and that troll's name is is hate ugly. Okay, so and so eye gate is to learn to appreciate beautiful things, and the troll's a reminder if it's ugly, you're supposed to hate it. Mouth gate. Remember mouth gate last week. Mouth gate was so foul, they had to actually irrigate it from inside with something called word wash. I had a number of you comment on that. They're like, word wash. <laughs> and so, so Mouthgate has two guardians as well. Uh, number one is Mrs. Pleasing. Mrs. Pleasing, and, 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 and she's absolutely gorgeous. She's beautiful at Mouthgate, so that everything that, that comes out from Mouthgate is to be beautiful and pleasing. But the other guardian at Mouthgate, kind of a stern guy, and his name is Mr. Stop. And Mr. Stop does his work. There's things that could come out of Mouthgate that really shouldn't. And Mr. Stop very sternly says, stop. Okay. So you have, so you have the guardian at Mouthgate. And then the main entrance to the city, they have, they have a couple of sheriffs there. It's important that they have someone a little bit more authority at the main entrance to the city. And the main entrance to the city, the first sheriff is called, I Believe. And this is a statement that anyone who wants to come into New Humana, uh, this town believes certain things. And the second sheriff, who actually is supposed to keep the first sheriff accountable, is called Don't Budge. Don't Budge. And so these are the ones. And this pretty much makes a statement to everybody. You've got to be careful if you're going to come into New Humana. And these guardians and sheriffs are fortified every single day. You gotta feed your guardians here, and they are fed on something called, or at least they drink, something called biblio juice. Biblio juice, okay? They, they drink that every single day, and their bread is called Emmanuel bread. Every single day, they're nourished on those things. And then the arms and the legs. Dr. Gaffey could explain this to you a little bit better. So this is Pastor Shishko's kind of simple thing. I'm reading it from the Annals of the Kingdom. Um, but the arms and the legs, they, they, they have a bloodstream in them. 
there are red blood cells, there's hemoglobin, and that hemoglobin is called helpful, helpful. The hemoglobin going through the arms and the legs is animates them by being helpful. And then also there is the nervous system, which Dr. Gaffey could explain more, and the neurons of the nervous system to the arms and the legs are called goodwill. Each neuron is called goodwill. And so the arms and the legs are, are animated by the blood and the nervous system, helpful arms and legs, and arms and legs of goodwill in new humanity. You can see why in the register of the city, they don't know what to make of this, of this new place. And these arms and legs do nothing but the will of Governor Emanuel as buttressed by the lieutenant governor, my will, and also with the assistance of the Secretary of State, who visits them regularly and strengthens them to do their work. The feet, now I hope this doesn't offend you, but the feet of the inhabitants of Humana are tattooed. And the tattoo has written on each of the feet proclamation proclamation. And they wear shoes called gospel sketchers. How's that? <laughs> and, they, and so wherever the feet go well, within New Humana, or should they venture out of the town, uh, they go with the gospel with them. There were court jesters. Y'all got a kick out of the court jesters. They've all, they've all been sent to Hollywood, which is where they belong. And, and uh, the court jesters have been replaced by good neighbors. Okay, You have good neighbors inside of New Humana. And a lot of them, I've got the main five here. Your good neighbor, one is renewed mind, renewed mind. And renewed mind is always, she's always reading her Old and New Testaments. She, she, she's soaking in the scriptures. That's your good neighbor, number one, renewed mind. A second neighbor is called devotion to God. And you, and you love Mr. Devotion to God because he's always praying. He's always bringing the needs of people that he knows before the Lord. The third neighbor is Mrs. Do-Right. And, and Mrs. Do-Right keeps a journal. She keeps a journal of, of the things that she does, that she doesn't do, and so on. So she has a record of, of how she can serve Emmanuel in the town. And then there's Mr. and Mrs. Skill. Mr. and Mrs. Skill are neighbors, and they're known for their wisdom. Uh, they know what it is, how to apply the word of Emmanuel in a given situation. And then Mr. and Mrs. Love Serve. Mr. and Mrs. Love Serve are your neighbors. And people have commented that Mr. and Mrs. Love Serve bear a remarkable resemblance to Emmanuel. Okay? I love the replacement of the court jesters with the good neighbors. Um, there's a school in New Humana, and that school that has mandatory attendance for all ages, and that school is called Redeem the Time, Redeem the Time, which incidentally means make the time profitable. And its motto is making every minute profitable for the kingdom of God. And in New Humana, everybody attends that school, Redeem the Time. And there's universal military training. 
Everybody is trained in New Humana. They all have a belt, which is the belt of truth. And they all have the breastplate, which is the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Emmanuel. They have a shield, which is the faith. Emmanuel is teaching them what they're to believe. It's the shield of, of the faith that they hold up. There's the sword. It's the Secretary of State sword, actually. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then there's the helmet of salvation. We've already talked about, about the shoes. Because see, here's the thing, folks. This is far from a perfect town. This is, there's problems in this town. Uh, there are snipers that come to this town. Uh, they, they don't rule it, but they make attacks. And those snipers are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And there's a constant battle in New Humana against those sniper attacks that come. But they're not overcome. In fact, the citizens' names, they all, they all have a name in New Humana. And that name is more than conqueror. Each one in New Humana is that. Let me ask if that describes you. See, in a very picturesque way, that's what it means for people to do the will of God on earth as it's done in heaven. And that's the interesting thing. If we do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, then I think you're going to be thinking about heaven a whole lot. And they do in New Humana. And that brings us to chapter 4 in the annals of the kingdom of God. Um, chapter four. Chapter four is about a glorified, a glorified new heavens and new earth. Not not just new humana, but loads of new humanas, a multitude that that no man can number, and a glorified new heavens and new earth. And that new heavens and new earth. That's the that's the constant hope and expectation of all the residents of of new humana, and it is an absolutely perfect place in this chapter 4 because God's will is done in heaven as it's meant to be done on earth and it is a most remarkable beautiful adorable place and if you're a new humana you're gonna go there people say what's heaven like and the answer is you entrust yourself to Christ as your king and you live for him, and you'll find out for yourself. Okay? So there you go. There's one, two, three, and four of, uh, new, of Humana and New Humana in any land. Now, let me, let me wrap. Now, this is really more priority prayers, all three of them. Um, let your name be hallowed in the earth. Let your kingdom come and the outgrowth of it. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Especially that prayer, let your kingdom come, is regarded rightly as being probably the most subversive prayer you will ever make. Because what you're praying when you pray that, together with let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, is that you are not the king. 
And the state is not the king. And the church is not the king. And the world is not your king. And your flesh is not your king. And the devil's not your king either. That's going to be pretty much the message for the Lord's Supper. But at this point in the message, that is so countercultural. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of different ways you can domesticate those prayers. Politically, on the left, if I can put it like this, you domesticate those petitions by thinking of just humanitarian efforts in which, if God exists at all, he gives you some assistance with it. You know, God helps those who help themselves, right? That's not, that's domesticating God, folks. The radical character of hallowing the name of God in everything, the kingdom of Christ usurping all other kingdoms and subverting them and replacing them with himself, and the doing of the will of God instead of the will of the world, oh, that's radical. And on the right it is too. You can take your conservative political philosophy or a candidate and become against a culture that is, quite frankly, in self-destruction mode. And it's very easily to lapse into thinking that a person or a party or a political platform is equal to the kingdom of God, and it isn't. My political philosophy is by and large conservative. And I'm not embarrassed about that. Doesn't mean I vote by a particular party all the time. But it is, and I believe it's biblical. But brothers and sisters, my political platform is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is infinitely more subversive. It's why in Nazi Germany, when the Nazis took over the so-called evangelical church, the Protestant church, of Germany, you were forbidden to say Christ is Lord because Hitler was. And even today in China, we learn this from our experience over there, they'll allow a lot of things in the catechism, but don't you talk about the kingdom of God being greater than the kingdom of their government. And brothers and sisters, you're serious about these petitions in the Lord's Prayer? They'll make you really radical, really countercultural. Don't, don't domesticate God, okay? It's so easy to do it. Now, let me wrap it up this way. Al Mohler, in, in his book, The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down, he has a, a remarkable summary. I'm a big Al Mohler fan. He's kind of the Jay Gresham Machen of the Southern Baptist Convention in many ways. But at the very end of dealing with the first three petitions, um, he, 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 he says, so what are we asking when we pray for these things? He says, we're asking for something wonderful and something dangerous all at the same time. We are praying that history would be brought to a close. Let your kingdom come. We're praying to see all the nations rejoice in the glory of God. Let your name be hallowed. 
We're praying to see Christ honored as king in every human heart. Please don't pray and say, now, Lord, if they're your elect, then please let your kingdom come to them. He'll do that. That's not the way you pray. You say, Lord, let your kingdom come to all people in the world, right? We're praying to see Satan bound, in a real sense he already has been, evil vanquished, and death no more. We're praying to see the mercy of God demonstrated in the full justification and acquittal of sinners through the shed blood of the crucified and resurrected Christ. We're praying to see the wrath of God poured out upon sin. We're praying to see every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're praying to see a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth, and a new creation. That's the way we pray. Lord, let your name be made holy. Let your kingdom come, and let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. You want to be really countercultural? Start by praying that way and living that way. Let's pray. Lord, we really are struck with how truly radical these petitions are. And Lord, the other three are radical too, but, but these are in, in a different way. Lord, our heart breaks over what we hear every day in the news, the killings, the graft, the corruption, the hypocrisy. We are grieved, our God, over incompetence in government. We're grieved over cultural insanity. And then we see the world situation. And our Lord, we see that the sin of our first parents has proliferated everywhere. And our Lord, yes, we work to see in the political realm, especially in our own nation, where the vote of the people is a significant part of the government. Yes, we want to see in the best way possible that governments restrain iniquity and not encourage it. But Lord, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom does something far more. The kingdom actually takes over the human heart and replaces the world and the flesh and the devil with heaven and with righteousness and holiness and with the king of kings then we really begin to see change come. Oh God, please hear our petitions as we pray each Lord's Day, as we pray personally, as we pray as families. God, hear our petitions. And cause, we pray, your name, your glorious, wonderful, majestic, awful name to be hallowed in all the earth, Cause your kingdom to come to every human heart, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, and every nation. And cause your will to be done, beginning with their human hearts, so that we begin to see a little bit on the earth of what will be perfected in heaven. And yet, Lord, we know that at best that will be so modeled here. Uh, because then we begin to look to this life instead of everlasting life. 
Lord, hasten the day when you shall return and heaven and earth are transformed to become new heavens and new earths to the glory of our majestic King Jesus. And we confirm that we desire to be heard as we say together, Amen. Amen.